everybody, and welcome to the new episode of In Love with the Process. I am your host, uh, Mike Petchy. I am doing it today solo because uh, I'm trying to actually do them a bit more frequently. And uh, we're going to do a bit of an experiment today. I'm going to time myself and see if I can uh, bang out an episode pretty quickly. Um, if, you, <clears throat> if you've noticed, I'm, I'm not going to do like a heavy-duty intro for this episode. I'm just trying to come up with a good workflow that uh, allows for faster turnaround time so that you guys can hear some more stuff. Uh, <clears throat> so today, let's see. Today, I want to get into one of the things that I've promised to talk about on this show, which is essentially uh, an essential part of how to survive as a freelance filmmaker, as a freelance photographer, honestly, as a freelance artist altogether. Um, and it's one of the uh, things that takes up a, <laughs> takes up a majority of our time, um, and that's waiting. Um, so people have said in the past that like life and filmmaking and all these things is just a series of uh, peaks and valleys. And so if you have uh, a project, if you have a really great idea, uh, you're sort of rising to that peak. And then if you are lucky enough to actually bring it together and actually start filming, um, then you're riding the crest of that wave and you're, you're under deadlines and you have a purpose. And so you've, you're sort of pushing your way through and you're finding all this creative energy. Um, and then you're just racing, racing, racing to get it finished on time. And then when you do, there's this sort of euphoric moment that happens uh, and then it's down back into the valley again um, and this is a normal part of our life this is basically what it is so I, I early on when we started doing this podcast I was warning you guys that if you're in this business if you're in this to you know be on that stage and to be uh, congratulated for your work that literally lasts you know like a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, and so then the rest of your time is filled with moments like this, where uh, you're sort of in a, um, a low, not a low point, but a valley, just sort of like a quiet period um, before uh, your next project, before your next job. Um, and so how do you survive it? And what should you be doing? And how do you stay uh, motivated? which is a really hard thing to do these days because there are so many things uh, crafted to take your time. You know, like, do I dive deep into a binge on Netflix and disappear for three days? Um, do I uh, go on a world trip and do vacationing? Um, like, how do I stay relevant? And then also, how do I let everybody know that I'm back on the market for work? So... I so we'll just make this personal. So basically what is going on with me right now, I just finished the uh, the latest film. If you've been following me on Instagram, I haven't been able to talk about the title yet, but I've been hashtagging it. Something new is coming. Uh, it, something new is coming. Uh, it is a brand new proof of concept uh, short film uh, that I created with uh, my buddy, Will Simmons, who also is my writer these days. Uh, he's writing the feature version of 12 kilometers. Uh, he's also writing the feature version of this new project. Um, he's a rad dude. I got to have him on the episode. I think you guys would find his process really interesting. And, uh, actually his, 
his method as a writer really interesting. Um, so the both of us came up with this idea. I think we came up with this idea in like December, kind of December. Um, and I think I talked about it in the last episode on how we uh, were just a little frustrated with the shopping process um, for our other film. And there were a couple places that we really wanted to work for. So we kind of crafted this piece to uh, fit other folks. Um, and in that process of crafting it, we actually came up with something really cool um, and something very inspiring to us. Um, so anyway, that was December. Came up with the idea. Uh, did the the concept work for it through uh, January, casted the thing, um, put the production together, and we were literally shooting it at the end of February, early March, and then um, went through a pretty fast post-production process on it. Um, I'm proud of myself this time. I really sort of set deadlines um, and stuck with them, which is really important when you're doing a personal project because... Um, it's very easy to become uh, a perfectionist and to be really concerned about all these tiny, tiny details that honestly, at the end of the day, only you really notice. So um, <clears throat> so what I try to do is try to set myself a deadline, give myself just a certain amount of time uh, to tweak these things and have it out. Um, I, I, I get really concerned about having a great idea because I kind of feel like we all exist on the same sort of train of thought, you know, um, a lot of it could be because of influence from pop culture. A lot of it could just be because of what we're going through, um, right now as a country, there's, there's always some sort of connective sort of, uh, a thought that happens with us. And oftentimes I'll talk about an idea that I have and someone will be like, Oh my God, yeah, I had an idea very similar to that. So I, I get freaked out. I want to make sure that I get the thing done. I want to make sure I get the thing out um, before someone else does. I hate feeling like I'm late to the party. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, went through, shot the thing, edited the thing. It was an intense couple of months, um, but one of the best shoots that I've ever put together uh, with the best crew um, and really fantastic cast. And I can't wait for you guys to see the piece, man. Like the piece is the best stuff that I've done so far. Um, it's scary. Uh, it's fucking intense. Uh, and I love it. I really love it. Um, I'll be showing it soon. We're just going through the process now. We just sent it to the agents. We sent it out um, because we want uh, it to get picked up. And so it's a lot. We have, Our chances are a lot better if we sort of keep it hush hush for now. Um, and then uh, we'll see what sort of interest comes in this week. So yeah, I'm sitting around waiting this week for that. So you, you, you bust your ass, um, put everything together and then it's out of your hands. <laughs> and as you can imagine, it is a very torturous process. Um, but another thing you have to deal with when you take on a personal project like that is, uh, for me, I make my money doing, uh, commercial directing, uh, sometimes a little bit of photography. Um, and before I was doing this project, I was, I was really hustling hard because I needed to put together some loot, uh, cause I self-finance a lot of these things. Um, and then you're off the radar. So when you start a project like this, you get in deep, you get in hard with it. Um, and you really can't take on anything else because, uh, there's two different mindsets. There's a mindset for commercial and there's a mindset for creative. And when they start to blend, then it, it doesn't, one of them is going to suffer. 
Um, so you come off the radar, you do this project. And then when you come back, you know, you're trying to let everybody know that you're back. And it's like, you never existed in the first place. So, <laughs> um, so it's this process of just letting people know that mm, I'm back on the market, guys. I, uh, I finished my work. Um, what's coming up? What do you guys have uh, kicking around? Um, but like waiting for the film, that itself is its own waiting process. Um, because uh, anytime you sort of set out to do something, like if you set out to form new relationships or if you put an idea out there, um, it usually takes a couple of months to sort of kick back around. Like if you're really lucky and you, and you have something great or if you... Um, find, uh, or you talk to people at the right moment, then you might just get a job because there happens to be a job coming in. Um, but most of the time you're basically putting it out there that you're available for work or you're releasing new work to showcase the stuff that you're doing. Um, excuse me. And it takes a few months, um, for that to kick in. So that all being said, you end up in this place where it's like, okay, I, I'm done with my big creative project and I don't have any work coming in. What do I do? And that's kind of what I want to talk about in this episode. So <clears throat> for me, um, <laughs> it's, it's almost like, it's almost like a breakup when I finish a project because I get so invested in it. And like every waking moment of my day is thinking about, you know, how do the characters move and what are the shots and like, oh my God, the location fell through and how do I find all this stuff? So you're obsessing over this. In order for you to do it right, you're obsessing over this thing. Um, and then you finish it and, uh, and then it's gone. And so afterwards you sort of go through this like sleep. I need to get some sleep. I need to relax process, which um, is important um, and very difficult. Uh, and then after that, you sort of start to go a little stir crazy. And I, I know this isn't just with filmmakers. This is also with like uh, musicians. If you go back and listen to the episode that I did with uh, Jesse Leash from Kill Switch Engage, he actually talks about this too. Uh, like how after going on tour, after being on tour, they had such a set uh, schedule of like uh, eight o'clock at night. I'm about to like cram my body full of all this adrenaline. I'm about to get out on stage and and get such a a huge response from uh, such a big group of people. Uh, and then after the tour, he ends up going home. And, and of course, you're exhausted. Of course, you crash. But then he was saying that at like eight o'clock, when normally um, he would be going out on stage, he started to go a little crazy. He'd start to freak out a little bit. He started to drive the people around him a little bit insane. Um, and it, it took him a, quite a few years to realize like, oh, wait a minute, this is sort of withdrawals from um, this big thing that I was doing. I kind of feel the same way when it comes to, to making movies and it comes to doing projects. Um, so you kind of got to get through it. And uh, for me, the most important thing that I remind myself, the most important thing that I have to keep in mind is that uh, no one's going to no one's going to motivate you. You know, no one's going to force you to do anything. Um, <clears throat> so you have to be a self motivator and you have to uh, put these things. You have to put a rhythm in place that pulls you out of the bed, that pulls you away from 
all these other distractions and, and starts to get you thinking again and starts to get you processing new ideas. Um, and for me, I like yesterday's the first day of that for me, you know, because before that I was just sort of like, okay, I want to just chill out. I want to relax. Um, you know me, if you follow my Instagram, you know, I'm a food nut. Last weekend was uh, Memorial Day weekend. So I wanted to barbecue. So like I had some really, really great ideas on how to improve my rib smoke, which I did, which was super cool. I ended up going to this really rad spice spot out here in Boston. And, uh, I forget the name of it. I should plug them, but they're over near Faneuil Hall, which if you know the city, Faneuil Hall is over near tourist, tourist fucking land. And it's like the worst place to be. And there's like this little gem down there that sells hot sauce and barbecue robes. So I got to go in there and really hang out with the owner and test different spices and test different sauces. And it was just sort of like this mm, 15, 20 minutes of Oasis for me, <laughs> uh, where I got to go in and try all these different things out. And <clears throat> I ended up uh, finding such a great combination um, that I, I tried out on a group of people this weekend. And I did some baby back ribs. And I did, I changed my process up a little bit. So I, I have like a, um, what do they call it? It's like a drum smoker. Um, and it's pretty big these days. I actually invested in a good size one. And I can actually fit, you know, like three racks of ribs and two chickens in there if I want. Um, so I, I um, did, uh, I switched up my process a little bit where I did baby backs all dry rubbed. Um, and then I did them two hours unwrapped. So I did them in the smoker for two hours uh, in the beginning just to sort of uh, absorb the smoke and all that stuff. And then I did about an hour and 20 minutes wrapped, which means that you wrap it in like you can wrap it in butcher's paper. I wrap it in tin foil. Um, and then I usually just throw in like a little apple cider vinegar or some sort of uh, <clears throat> uh, fluid that will steam inside the packaging. And that just sort of tenderizes the meat. Uh, but you don't want to leave them in there for too long because if you do, um, oh, I got a text. Sorry about that. Let me get rid of my phone. I'm so fucking rude, even on my podcast. So if you leave them wrapped for too long, then they fall apart too much and uh, you can't actually pick the ribs up. So two hours wrapped, hour and 40, uh, I mean, two hours unwrapped, hour and 40 wrapped, and then about another 40 minutes unwrapped at the end to just sort of um, uh, bring out char to the outside of the ribs, just dry them out just a little bit. Uh, and then I, I found this amazing sauce, and bear with me on this, it's blueberry. It was like a blueberry barbecue sauce. And most of the time when I hear people doing weird shit with fruit, like blueberry, I'm like, oh, it's gonna just taste weird and fake, like fake blueberry, you know what I mean? Uh, but this, it was almost like a blueberry pie, um, a very subtle blueberry pie flavor over the pork, and it was just phenomenal. Um, so it was, a, it was a really good weekend. It was a really good escape for me. I got to, one of the things I love about cooking is that cooking is a very specific process of emotional steps for me where I can sit there and go, okay, I'm going to play around with ingredients or I'm going to play around with the way I cook stuff. Um, and for smoking, at least, I, within the course of four hours, five hours, I'll have something done. I'll, I'll see the fruits of my labor. And with uh, 
giving food to people. It's actually like showing a film to people. I can actually see their emotional response to all these different techniques. Um, and so I really enjoy it. It's like a, a very condensed uh, w version of, of making movies. Um, and uh, I was joking around with, uh, with Gina the other day, and we were talking about uh, how long it takes to make movies because she is a photographer and uh, with her stuff, it's like maybe like at minimum, like a couple of days before she's done at maximum a few weeks, but she gets to see the results of her labor pretty quickly um, with films, especially feature films. You're talking like two or three years. It's like you become this sort of emotional monk. Um, and then you have to wait this long, long, long period of time before you see the fruits of your labor. Um, and even then, like the ratio's off. It's not like you have like a year and a half of, of, of that. You sort of have a very short period of time in getting the praise or, or getting the rewards rather for, for what you've done for all that hard work. And then you're back in and over again. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting way of life. It's an interesting thing to, to try to stay sane through this whole process. So let's, uh, let's see, let me keep on track here. So how to stay motivated? Well, here's some ideas. Here's some stuff that I like to do in this period. Um, obviously I'll watch stuff. I will, you know, finally get to watching all of those movies that have been stacking up on my queue that I never really had time to, to watch. Um, I love going to the theater, uh, I really hope that the theater experience doesn't die within my lifetime. Um, and I, I really enjoy going to see movies with strangers. I really enjoy that. Uh, and this week, what did I see? Oh, yeah, I saw Solo, actually. And, you know, LucasArts and, and uh, Lucasfilm and, and Disney don't need my... <laughs> they don't need my approval. They don't need my promotion for this. So it's not like I am sponsored by them. Um, but I thought it was really great. I thought it was a really cool movie. And, you know, all of the drama aside from how the movie was made and if there were directors fired and who gets brought on and, you know, the big corporate machine, um, I really enjoyed the sort of adventure slash heist movie, uh, vibe that they had made for this thing. And I, you know, I visually, it was such a beautiful piece um, the cinematographer, and I forget his name right now, it's, he's the dude that did Selma. Um, he's such an interesting choice for a big budget like this. Um, and a lot of his scenes were like really dark, um, really brooding, very dusty, actually, was, was a way I would describe his visuals. Very dusty, very Western-like. Um, it was just, it was really delicious. <laughs> it was visually delicious to me. Um, and I really enjoyed their um, universe expansion, you know, like sort of seeing weird pockets of this universe that we haven't really seen before. It, it kind of reminded me of watching um, the Clone Wars animated uh, show, which I really enjoyed, too. Um, sure. It's, just, it's I mean, this is all made for kids. And so there was a bunch of stuff that I felt was kind of hokey and kind of cheesy, but I really get excited when they sort of go out into this universe and start talking about the people that exist around, you know, the core uh, mythos, you know, like uh, I'm kind of done with the use the force shit, 
You know what I mean? Like it, we, we've seen it at its best. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to me to see these bounty hunters, to see these smugglers, to see all these folks that exist in that world. Um, I thought it was fantastic. There's a lot of naysayers that uh, are dogging it and saying that it's not really Han Solo and it's not, I, man, it's, it's gotta be such a hard thing to take on a job like that, to actually um, direct one of these films, you know? It's exciting because you get access to the best of the best. You're working with some of the best art teams. Uh, you're working with an amazing budget, like a huge budget. Um, so that is really sort of enticing, especially for young filmmakers. And a lot of these people that are directing these movies right now are younger filmmakers. Um, and they ended up replacing it with Ron Howard. Like it was the two guys from uh, the Lego movie. And then they replaced it with Ron Howard, who obviously has more experience and came in and, uh, you know, has more confidence, which is an interesting thing, too, because I wonder if now Disney's going to start actually paying for real directors to go in, real directors, experienced directors to go in to do these movies, because it seems like they've been having a bit of trouble with younger talent. And Man, if I got offered to do a Star Wars movie uh, with my experience level, that would be such a stressful situation because you have this expectation, this massive group of expectation that's just breathing down your neck the whole time. And you have expectations from, you know, the company, you have expectations from the fans, and then you have your own personal expectations for this thing. So kudos to anybody that decides to do it. And, and you know, it's a great paycheck and it's a great, uh, you know, stepping stone for these folks. But goddamn, the the way that the audience these days will just cut you in half for for something so trivial, you know, like oh, you know, I don't believe that that's the way that Han Solo is. It's like, guys, they 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 had dudes flying in a spaceship over a moving train. CGI moving train, jumping onto that CGI moving train and then and then detaching it from rails and, and doing that. No spoilers, because that's in the trailer. There are so many amazing visual things that happen in this movie that we just sort of dismiss, you know, and we sort of go, oh, you know, visuals are visuals. We see it all the time. Who cares? You know, I want a really great story. And, th and then you're like, OK, but what is your specific great story? And am, am I specifically making the if I if I make this for you? that I'm going to offend, you know, this group over here. I, you know what? That's ultimately the hardest part about doing these movies where they expect, you know, over a hundred million in, in returns. Because you have to appeal to like, you know, whatever the math is on that, you know, like 90 million people or 80 million people. And talk about generalizing at that point. Talk about like trying to hit every note possible. So that way, you know, every demographic feels some sort of connection to this movie. Jesus Christ. And at that point, you know, are you, do you have a vision, you know? And I, I think at least with me, I would sort of look for something on a, on a minutia level that I identified with or that I was excited about, like in a chase sequence or like a specific character, um, because it's just too big. It's beyond me. And, you know, and then if you're that filmmaker that's trying to put your own personal vision in it, then you end up like Ryan Johnson, which I, you know, I commend him for what he did on his 
on his film. And I think it was a very difficult thing to take a lot of like really mid of the road, very easy digestible characters that really weren't that exciting and try to make something interesting with that movie and start to mix them with characters that are flushed out and that are exciting, but they're older characters and you have to progress the storyline. So you have to get rid of those older characters. And how do you have these younger, you know, I don't want to say chintzy, but just very easily digestible characters interact with these characters that have so much history and, and so much stuff. It was a really difficult thing to do. And, you know, of course he gets torn apart too. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Hey, I got off on a tangent here and this show is not about, I, I, you know, I don't do reviews on movies or any of that. Um, but I went to see solo because of the visuals, because I, you know, just seeing the trailers and, and, and just seeing the quality of light, uh, that was in that film. It was just really exciting to me. Um, and I, I came away with a lot of stuff, actually. I came away with a lot of inspirations that I may incorporate into my next film. So it was, you know, it was a good, you know, use of what, $13? <laughs> you know, it, you know, it costs more to get dinner these days. And so, you know, for 13 bucks, I walked away with a couple new ideas. Pretty awesome. It's a good way to stay motivated. Uh, so let's see, what else do I do? Oh, one important thing to do, actually, is to go hang out with other creative people, like other folks that are doing really great things. Because there's something to be said about just being around that creative energy, like just being in that space with these folks, it, it, it becomes, um, you, you end up somehow taking that energy. It, it's very contagious, you know? Um, I like to try, like if, if there are folks shooting things, I like to try to go visit their sets. Um, I like to just go sit down and have beers, um, with folks and creative folks and just talk about, you know, cinema or talk about life. Um, that stuff's really good. I mean, the mo most importantly, it gets you out of the house, you know, it gets you out of your funk because you, you, we all know it, you guys know it, whether or not you're going to admit it. One of the reasons why you're listening to the show is that, it's a, there's a funk and we, it's very easy to get stuck in it. Um, and so definitely get yourself out, go out and hang out with folks. That's a, that's the fastest way to get out of that funk and to get out of it. Um, so yeah, so let's see, I think at this point, we keep this episode pretty short. Um, let's talk about our sponsors. I'll just do a quick sponsors read. Um, so this episode is uh, sponsored by the boys over at Puget Systems. Uh, if you are an editor, if you're a photographer, if you're a filmmaker, and you're looking to upgrade your uh, editing system, um, and the prices on Apple's website are making you choke, or maybe you're still in debt to them. Maybe you're one of those guys like myself that got their Barclade or the Barclade credit card, and then you put stuff on the credit, and then you're paying it off, and then you know an update uh, makes your hardware um, obsolete. And then you are just stacking more in the credit card and forever in debt to a company. <sighs> Don't do it. Uh, go check out Puget systems because if, if you are like me and you're editing on Adobe and you're using all Adobe's products, like today we're recording, um, the podcast and Adobe's audition, which is fantastic. Um, their stuff works on both Mac and PC. And the best part about PC is that PC is cheaper. PC is more affordable. 
um, and uh, you have more options. You can upgrade a PC um, and you can actually change out your hardware to better suit your needs. Um, and sure, you could do it by yourself. Uh, I started as a kid that uh, liked to build video game machines. Um, but if you've ever done that before, you know there's a lot of trial and error, and you know that there's a lot of research and development on different uh, pieces of hardware, and sometimes hardware works with other hardware. Um, it ends up becoming a nightmare. And if you are trying to make movies, you don't want to be a uh, troubleshooter for your edit systems. Um, so <clears throat> when I broke away from the um, Apple world, I did a sort of search and a hunt for a company that would have great customer support, that had really great prices, and that actually cared about what it was that I was doing. And I found these dudes, Puget Systems. So if you go to PugetSystems.com, uh, you can actually on their website uh, search by what programs you use. Um, and based upon that, they'll suggest different packages, uh, starting points for your machine. Um, and you could talk to these guys directly. Uh, they were fascinated with uh, what I do in my films. Um, and based upon my specific needs at that time, uh, we uh, put together my first edit system. Um, and then since then, uh, I've had a bunch of needs because every project I do really sort of taxes my equipment because I'm constantly trying to evolve, constantly make, try to make it better. Um, and I've done just a few minor, simple upgrades um, that they handle for, for me. And I'm still at the cutting edge with something that I bought like. I don't know, what is it, two, three years ago? You know, so we're still editing like 4K. Like we just tested this week um, a bunch of like uh, really great 4K footage that I think we shot with Sony, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, and everything works great. So I'm rambling. Puget Systems, go to PugetSystems.com and uh, check them out. If you're looking for a new edit system, they're really great dudes. Tell them that I sent you and they'll probably hook you up. Um, and, uh, they're really great guys in general. They actually, uh, fully support and sponsor this show, but they also sponsored my latest film. Um, and then I just recently went and hung out with the dudes down in Nashville. Me and Gina went down to Nashville, um, uh, and got to uh, speak at the Nashville film festival, uh, which was cool. Uh, I've never been to Nashville before. I was really excited to go, uh, because a, a lot of folks were just, Pump, pump, pumped about him. Um, you know what? I don't know, man. Like it, it, it was just a whole lot of bachelorette parties. <laughs> and if you've been to Nashville, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're sitting in a bar and you look around, you're like, Jesus, it's like 90% female in this space. Oh my God. And, uh, I was like, what is in the water? Like what, 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 what like what is the breeding process down here? Uh, and someone pointed out like, this is like, like bachelorette central. Yeah, for some reason, that is where all the bachelorette parties go, um, and they they turn them out like like insane numbers, insane numbers. Like within a week, a few hundred bachelorette parties come through there. It's pretty nuts. Um, so it was cool. It was a cool adventure. It was really fun to hang out with the dudes, um, and really cool to speak at the uh, film festival. They didn't warn me that they uh, shot some interview footage. They had shot some interview footage and behind the scenes stuff on the last film. They were up here in Boston. Um, and then uh, they hadn't warned me that they cut that stuff together and it was running before every movie at the festival. So when I showed up, I had people coming up to me going, hey, you're Mike. And I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> 
I don't have fans down here in Nashville. How did how, what's going on? And it turns out that uh, my big ugly mug was uh, running before every one of the movies down there, um, which is cool, man. You know, you know, advertising is fun. <laughs> Um, and it was a fun little surprise and, and we got to go out and do a bar safari and have like a bunch of really good booze and food. Um, so thank you to the dudes at Puget. I love you guys. You guys support me. You support artists. You support my work. Um, and definitely go check them out. Uh, okay. Also, uh, second sponsor for this episode is, uh, Rule, uh, Rule Boston Camera. Um, if you are looking to rent, uh, movie gear in, uh, the East coast, uh, and you're looking for top of the line stuff, I would definitely go to Rule Boston Camera. Um, they're my favorite rental house. Um, they have everything I need. And if they're fully willing to have you come in and learn about stuff, like for instance, I, I'm starting a, um, a film project in a few weeks and, and I'm shooting for one of the only few directors, actually, yeah, I'd say one of the few directors that could get me to go back to doing uh, cinematography, um, uh, my buddy Rudy Hippolyte. And uh, him and I have done two movies together so far. He's a documentarian, um, and he always finds these really fascinating stories um, in the city of Boston. And uh, we first movie we did was on uh, the Madison Park basketball team. It's called Push Madison vs. Madison. Um, and it's sort of like Hoosiers gone wrong. You know, we sort of follow this uh, high school basketball team that has rival gang members in it and a lot of infighting. And these guys are really great at what they do. And they get into the, I think it was the state, state finals. Um, and, um, they lose spoiler. Um, and it was such a great adventure because I got to, uh, shoot this high, uh, action sort of like very intense. Like we tried to do it very Tony Scott style. Um, uh, documentary. Um, and then after that, we did one um, called This Ain't Normal, which is on uh, Boston's uh, uh, street gangs. Like Boston's got like, I think it was like 120, 120 different gangs. And basically, if you're born on a street, you're born into this gang. And it, they're in very small areas in the city, but it's like, you know, neighborhoods like blocks that are warring with each other and have been warring with each other, you know, I think since like the eighties, you know, and some of these kids are fighting over stuff that was, you know, over riffs that their uncles or their dads were in and they don't even know why they're fighting anymore. So, um, it, it was an interesting project to be a part of because I got access to, uh, quote unquote, a section of the city that is dangerous. Um, which it's not. Um, and I got to meet some amazing and beautiful people and got to be a part of this really great community. Um, and so we, we shot that for like two years. Uh, and there's something really sort of, I don't want to say stress-free, but very, like very euphoric about just shooting something. Like I really enjoy that because most of the time, whenever I'm on set. I'm, I'm usually producing. I'm usually directing. And sometimes I'm shooting. And there's a lot of stress from all different angles. And, you know, when you're taking on too many hats, too many positions, something suffers. And oftentimes, a lot of the details in the shooting would go first because it was the least important part of what I had to do that day. Um, so I really enjoy finding, like, great subject material and sort of being able to dig into how to capture that. And documentaries are a bit different than um, 
you know, narratives. Cause I, I always, I always feel like a hunter when I'm doing a documentary because you're, you're, you're doing your prep and you're trying to put together the right tools. You're trying to put together the right kit, um, to be able to visually, uh, support the narrative. But then, uh, you're on the hunt and you're trying to find, uh, the story, you know, cause documentaries are all made in the edit. Um, and you know, a director can, have great ideas, great context, and then really just sort of put you in that situation. And then you're just fishing for it. You're looking for something interesting. And then, uh, the exciting part is, is that as, as you progress through it, you start to find the narrative, you start to find the visual thread, and then you're just sort of trying to force it right down into that, that, that viewpoint without affecting the story and without, you know, you know, forcing the narrative. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I got this movie coming up. Uh, I'll be doing a few weekends of it uh, this summer. Um, and it's been a while since I've shot. So I, I called up the dudes at Rule and I was like, okay, what do you guys got? What do you got for what's new on the market for uh, like documentary uh, cameras? Um, and this is what's great about having a relationship with a rental house is, you know, I don't own a camera, so I'm not a slave to that piece of hardware. I'm not a slave to that piece of equipment. And, you know, if I had bought a camera for like, you know, 25 grand two years ago, I'd still be paying that fucking thing off. And so if, uh, you know, someone like Rudy comes to me and says, hey, what, what should we shoot with? My first notion would have to be, well, use the camera that I have because you're trying to pay that thing off. And, and that necessarily isn't the right decision for this project. Um, and I have been shooting with a bunch of different rigs, uh, whether it's with the better sound sessions that have all these accessories and that are just like quote unquote 4k faux 4k. Um, and you know, you get into posts with them and the codecs work weird and premiere. And, uh, so I just, I'm trying to streamline it. And, uh, I talked to the dudes at uh, rule and they let me come in for like, I don't know, about an hour, hook me up with one of their techs. Um, super smart guy, really excited to talk, <laughs> to get nerdy about it. Cause he got fucking nerdy about it. Um, and I learned about uh, a couple of cameras that I never would have picked up. Um, and I think we're going to shoot this with the uh, the Sony AS7 Mach 2s. I think that's what it is or the something 2s, but they're the Sonys. And, uh, I, you know, in the past, I had bad experience with Sonys years and years ago. And it's always really difficult because you just want to write off a manufacturer if you have a bad experience. But these new rigs look pretty cool, man. Um, and then shooting in this like cinema mode, if there are DPs listening to this, it's a, it's a weird way of thinking, you know, with a locked ISO and then, um, you're trying to work with NDs and you're trying to keep, uh, that consistent. Um, but you know, this camera's rad, I, you know, it, it lets you load in LUTs. Um, so I'm pretty excited to play with it and there you go. Like actually going out and doing something like that really sort of stimulated this fire in me where, you know, for a few weekends, um, I get to go and really sort of mess around and play, um, with a new format. Um, and I'm really excited to create these images for you guys. Cause I really can't talk about what the subject material is, but understand that it'll probably be embedded with some interesting folks. Um, and I'm really excited. Hopefully later today or tomorrow, I'll go talk to Ruben over at, uh, Red Sky. Cause I want to talk about some lighting options. Um, and try to stylize this piece a little bit. Uh, but anyway, I got off on a tangent again. So, uh, if you are looking to, 
uh, do a new project and you want to use the newest and latest gear and you are out here in Boston or if you're in Connecticut or Rhode Island, um, or even New York, but New York's got some great rental houses too, but even New York, um, definitely look out for the dudes from uh, Rule Boston Camera. Really awesome guys. Get what you need from them. Uh, let's see. Also sponsoring the show is my company, McFarland and Pesci. Um, head over to McFarlandandPesci.com to check out all the new stuff that we are working on. Ian has been killing it. Ian McFarland, my business partner, has been killing it with uh, his film Godfathers of Hardcore. He has been traveling. I think yesterday he was in Vegas. Yes, Vegas. Uh, doing like a massive festival there. Um, he's killing it, man. Like they're, they're just slaughtering it. They just won an audience award for the film. The movie's really fantastic. Uh, I can't wait for everybody to see it. Uh, he's in the process of negotiating its release right now. Um, so definitely head over to McFarlandPesci.com to check that out. Um, and I, I know right now we're wrapping up two or three new Bose Better Sound sessions with some pretty amazing acts. Um, that's actually a really cool gig. I, I never really talk about it uh, on the podcast, but uh, we do this thing for Bose and uh, I've been directing them now for about two years. Um, and they're just sort of like these music recording sessions uh, where we get some musicians in their uh, actual recording studio. And I try to do two music videos in a day. Um, which is insane. Uh, but the stuff is really gorgeous. And I was able to work with the restrictions of that space with, and it sort of beat it out with color and uh, volumetrics and really great lenses. Um, and so the stuff is really, really pretty. So if you head to McFarlandPesci.com, you can see some of the older episodes. Uh, we worked with acts like Santa Busay, uh, Lucius. Uh, Lucius is like, that's, so far, the, the best episode that we've done so far. It's such a great, beautiful piece. Um, but we have three other acts that are coming out that are really, really great. I, I don't think I could talk about who they are yet. But the last one we did, mm, you know, and there's some behind the scenes photos on uh, my Instagram account. So if you go uh, at Mike Petchy on Instagram, you can see some of the stuff. Really pretty blue, mm, really cool stuff. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, so go to McFarlandPesci.com, check all that stuff out. And uh, those guys are the, that's, that's who I'm going to have sponsoring this episode. Um, so, yeah, so let's check here. Like, what do we lost? What do we, what do we missed? Uh, yeah, so that's kind of what, that's kind of all I want to talk about this episode. You know, I, like, I, I really... Uh, I'm excited about what's next. Um, you know, I know we have a really good thing kicking around right now that's being shopped around. Uh, 12KM is still uh, boiling. Um, I think that that's going to pick up next. So there's a lot of really, really exciting stuff on the horizon. And sort of like you're looking out and seeing this tidal wave coming. Um, and so I'm going to try to take this moment of, of quiet and teach myself some new stuff some new things to hang out with some new folks and really just sort of center <laughs> try to center my brain a little bit um and uh i'm gonna put it out there to you guys i'm gonna try to do these more often um if there's anything that you want to talk about if there's any sort of questions or um i'm gonna do a post on instagram 
about uh, about this. Like, you know, how do you guys stay motivated? What are your steps to doing so? Um, I'd, I'd love to learn from you guys and see, you know, how, like what you guys would like to do in your downtime. Uh, a lot of folks tell me I got to find a hobby and I got to find a hobby that's outside of this business. And they're, they're right. I got to. <laughs> I just don't know what it is, man. I've been so obsessed with filmmaking that it, it has taken up every ounce of my thought for years now. You know, I'm just physically addicted to it. Um, and it's that in cooking, you know, and, you know, based upon my last trip to the doctor and my cholesterol levels, <laughs> I got to cut back on uh, doing that stuff, too. So I don't know. Give me some ideas, guys. Like, what is it that you do? Like, how do you fill your time and how do you stay motivated? Um, and uh, let me know what you think about this episode. And uh, this is like kind of the first time that we're just sort of doing a one on one. Um, I have a couple of guests on the horizon that I'm really excited about. And uh, I really appreciate you guys listening to the show. Um, and uh, thanks so much. Yeah, I think that's it. Thanks so much, guys. And uh, like I said, follow me on uh, Instagram at Mike Petchy. Um, and uh, you can go to my website, mypetchy.com. And then uh, we'll be releasing a couple of new uh, videos. I think some of the new collaborations with Puget Systems are going to be coming out in the next few weeks. Um, and definitely stay on point with uh, my new film. I know it takes a while for this stuff to come out, um, but you'll be really excited when you guys see it. So thanks for listening.